Thank Please you. welcome Alonzo. Thank you. Appreciate that so much. I can't tell if I, t yes, I think I'm on, right? All right. Well, how are y'all this morning? Fantastic. This is um, indeed an honor, uh, really a privilege in many ways. Um, first of all, uh, I want to just simply say that my wife and I are indeed honored to worship with you this morning. My wife, Vanessa, if you've not had a chance to meet the beautiful, she's the beautiful lady over here. Not that there aren't any other beautiful women over there. Plenty. But she's the most beautiful, I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, that uh, we love praising and worshiping the Lord. I mean, this is, uh, frankly, honestly, I, you could skip this part and we just kind of keep going. I mean, this, you guys do it so well here and we do appreciate your freedom to worship in the way that you do. I also want to thank my brother Bart for, uh, for inviting me to share just a few words of hope and encouragement from God's word today. Uh, just a quick word about, about us and the work that we do, us being my wife and I. Um, first of all, we've been married. Uh, we will have been married in just a few days, 39 years. Can you believe that? <laughs> that is so awesome. That's so awesome. I know we don't, we probably only look 39, right? So how did that happen? She looks like 25, but, uh, but somehow we managed to, to get through this thing. But it's been a, a wonderful journey. We have three beautiful adult daughters and one grand dog. So that's kind of where that sort of makes up our family there. Uh, but for the last 10 years, we have been uh, leading a ministry that uh, right up here in Birmingham, the Birmingham area, based out of Birmingham here, that was founded by my wife and I called Biblical Marriage Institute. Biblical Marriage Institute, actually, our, our vision is very clear uh, that uh, God has called us to uphold and to advance biblical marriage as the standard for all marriages worldwide to the glory of God. And uh, our, our, we have a primary goal. Our goal is pretty focused here from the very beginning, and that is to prevent family breakdown. Prevent family breakdown, okay? That, I could stop it right there. That's a huge task. Uh, but God has called us to that, to prevent, prevent family breakdown through biblical education and mentoring. Now, I wish I had some time to talk more about that, but that's not what you asked me to come here to do. But just say it this way in, in a nutshell. What we do is we, we teach, uh, we write, and we teach courses on marriage for teenagers all the way up to senior adults. And if you want to know more about that, we'll be glad to pull you aside and talk about that. But that's, in an essence, what we're all about. By God's grace, we uh, have been able to, to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, this gospel of hope and grace, to thousands across the United States. And, and uh, we've done it in various mediums, uh, through churches and with, uh, in private schools, public schools, uh, workshops, retreats, seminars, uh, retreat like the one we're going to be doing in a few weeks here, but uh, radio, television. I mean, we've had many opportunities and even some publications and this is the message of hope, uh, this message of hope, rather, of grace, is really only, uh, can only be found in the saving work of Jesus, you see. We can't just teach the, the little, the, the, the cute things about how to do this and how to do that uh, and expect that to, to really have an impact and last in the life of people. We have to give them Jesus. We have to give them the gospel. And that's what we do. And it, it, it is really, honestly, he is our ultimate, ultimate audience. He is our audience. 
and frankly, Biblical Marriage Institute is, is his ministry. And uh, just again, by his grace, he's entrusted that ministry to us, uh, hopefully to have an impact uh, in this, this sphere that he's given us uh, opportunity to, to work inside of. So again, thank you for having us here. By the way, I'm just curious, of the folks here, how many of you have already signed up for the retreat? Put you on blast there. Look at that. Look at that. All right, I'm not going to ask the folks who have not signed up. See, we're not, that wouldn't be right, would it? <laughs> but you saw the folks there. You guys are going to be missing it. Not us that you need to come and really learn from. You're going to be learning from each other. And so that's what, uh, if you haven't signed up, this, that's what you're going to miss out on. I promise you. It's going to be a great community. You're going to have a great time. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this wonderful opportunity again to, uh, to worship mainly and, Lord, to really to sit at your feet this morning and to hear from you. I pray, Father, that uh, I would not get in your way. <laughs> Lord, we want to know what you have to say. We want to hear from you clearly, Lord. I pray that all distractions, all things that are cluttering our minds right now, Lord, just for the next few moments will be cleared away so that we can hear with our spiritual ears and we can see with our spiritual eyes what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so a little disclaimer here. I'm going to be speaking primarily to married people. I know there probably are some single folks here, and uh, so we, we appreciate that. Uh, but don't go to sleep on me because I got a few words for you as well. All right? So uh, hang in there, and uh, certainly this is going to be hopefully something that will encourage all of us as we go through God's word uh, and really um, in some more of a practical kind of way go through the scripture and go through uh, principles from the scripture this morning. So if you have a, a handout there, have some notes, you might want to have those handy as we go along. You see the title is kind of curious, isn't it? Somewhere under all this stress is a marriage. So how many of you like me, and this is participation, how many of you like me feel stressed out a whole lot? Come on now. All right, so the ones not raising their hands, you know, it stresses them out to raise their hands, see? <laughs> Someone said, stress is when you wake up screaming and you realize that you hadn't gone to sleep yet. <laughs> stress. Stress can come in all, all shapes and sizes. And for example, the stress of a new challenging job, the stress of an old boring job, the stress of dual income, the stress of single income, the stress of uh, that comes from lack of rest, the stress that comes from too much rest, the stress that comes from worrying about the future, the stress that comes from worrying about the past, the stress that comes from, from children, the stress that comes from children, the stress that comes from children, the stress that comes from not having children, the stress that comes from health issues and the stress that comes from unhealthy relationships. Stress is all around us. Stressors. Some of our own making and some beyond our control, right? But this is not going to be a message about stress or stress management. That seminar is probably somewhere further south, I think, maybe. 
But as I said, I want to talk to us about marriage in the context of stress. How about that? So we'll look at it that way. So you see, marriage uh, from the very beginning, I believe, was, was actually designed in part uh, to help alleviate stress. I mean, think about it for a second. Adam was tasked with the overwhelming job of filling, multiplying, and, and taking dominion over the earth. How many of you could do that job? <laughs> God knew Adam could not do it alone. He would not only, it would not only be too stressful for him, but frankly, it would just be impossible. So God created a helper. Eve would become Adam's lifelong companion and his equal, equal partner in the family business and in life. That's what God did for Adam. Adam didn't even know he had an aloneness problem, by the way. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. But here it is. So, you see, marriage was built to withstand the best of times and the worst of times. <clears throat> but our view of marriage and marital love will actually have a huge impact on how we handle the stressors that come into the marriage. So, take a look at your notes there. In a moment, I probably will blow through some things, and, and you think, what, what should go in that blank there? If that happens, just see me afterwards, and we'll, we'll try to, because they told me I have 35 minutes, and I might get yanked, and I don't have to slow down. By the way, the intro should not have counted, right? The intro, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I got a lot here. Anyway, so, so just think this. Don't answer this out loud. But, but what, words, uh, what words would you describe uh, when you're trying to describe true marital love? What words come to mind? True marital love. Many Bible students would say that marital love must involve agape. My Bible students, Right? You got to have agape, well, agape, if you don't know what that is, and, you know, an act of the will, sacrifice, unselfishness, etc. In other words, you should love your spouse regardless of how you feel, because it is your duty to do so. One might say that, others might say that marital love uh, really goes beyond duty. It should include eros, romance, passion. They would cite the Song of Solomon, they'd exhibit A, right? <laughs> so we have duty and we have passion. Those two things. Now let me ask you this. Which one would you say is essential for a biblically healthy marriage? <laughs> Guys ahead of me. What I'm really asking is this. Can agape and eros coexist in a marriage? And if so, can you have one without the other and still call it a true marital love? I'm convinced that most, if not all, of couples entering into marriage for the first time don't have a clue what real marital love is. Most of them are young and still really trying to figure life out, let alone marriage. I was that way. 
And if you come to the retreat, you get to hear a little bit more about that. How am I doing with the promo? <laughs> so this is, this, this is why our ministry, uh, in our ministry, we teach marriage courses. Yes, actual marriage courses to teenagers and single people, young singles. So we want them to get it. We want them to, to know ahead of time what the Bible teaches about marriage in order to counter what the culture is going to teach them and really what the culture is already teaching them. What about married people in the room who haven't had the benefit of a biblical course on marriage? What was your understanding of marital love leading up to your wedding day? For a lot of us, our understanding of marital love was really shallow at best. If you had any experience with love prior to marriage, it was probably gained in the context of High school dating or middle school dating, oh, God forbid. (laughs) Which, by the way, has a 95% failure rate. (laughs) Just saying. Or maybe post-high school dating. Maybe you were the type that didn't didn't really want to get tied down to one person, you know? You're a player player. So you kept all your relationships strictly physical. Maybe you had, uh, had, had, never, uh, had never been in any kind of relationship with the opposite sex. Whatever your beginning, though, whatever it is, it is highly unlikely that you learned a whole lot about, that rather you did not learn a whole lot about marriage. You didn't learn a whole lot about marital love prior to being married through those kinds of experiences. Am I right? So why am I talking about true, the true meaning of love and the true meaning of marital love when our topic is on stress in marriage? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because I believe your view of marital love greatly affects how you handle marital stress. What or who informs your worldview about true love in marriage? That's the question. What's informing you? The question for all of us, all of us, whether we're married or single, we all have a perspective on what love should look like in a relationship, particularly in a marital relationship, don't we? And it is critical, I say, that you have a biblical understanding of marital love because here's your first blank. Because the quality of love you are now experiencing in marriage is being influenced by three factors. I won't dive down into each of these because I simply won't have time, but I'm going to give them to you real quickly. Here's the first factor. What you believed about marital love when you got married. That's the first one. Secondly, what you've learned about marital love from the scriptures since you got married. And third, how well you practice what you've learned when things get tough in the marriage. These three factors are the things that will influence the quality and your view of marriage. I would dare say that most married folk have learned a few things since they've been married. I hope you've learned something. (laughs) You see, it's not the orthodoxy of marriage that gives us the most trouble. 
It is the orthopraxy of marriage that gives us the most trouble. Now, what do I mean by orthodoxy versus orthopraxy? Listen, we don't struggle with what we know about marriage, orthodoxy. We struggle with doing what we know about marriage, orthopraxy. You got it? Especially when life gets, gets to be a little testy. Let's take a quick look at the traditional marriage vows. Now, these are a set of promises for those uh, our, our youngins here. They go, traditional marriage, what? Vows. These are a set of promises that most couples will recite on their wedding day. All right? Not everybody uses these, but they have something similar if they don't use these. But here they go something like this. I take thee to be my wedded wife or husband, to have and to hold from this day. Some of you can say it with me, couldn't you? From this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, and keep thee only to myself, to death us do part. Let me ask you, do you honestly know or did you honestly know what you were signing up for when you said those vows? <laughs> Don't raise your hand, by the way. Did you know, did you know that here's what you would do? You are making a unilateral, a unilateral one-way pledge to God, not just your spouse-to-be. You are making this pledge that you will faithfully execute his covenant. It wasn't your agreement. It wasn't your. It's his covenant of marriage. You were promising God in front of all those people. That's what you were doing. Making promises to each other at the wedding can be beautiful, really. But they can also feel a little wooden. Wooden. You we say it in the South, right? I mean, a covenant, after all, is still a legal binding agreement, Right? I mean, you don't need to overspeak. It's spiritual, but it's, it comes down. It's a legal binding agreement. It really is. So it feels a little structured and hard. But, but did you know that you are not only agreeing to a lifetime of obligatory service, you are agreeing to a lifetime of obligatory passion? Tim Keller says, the biblical understanding of love does not preclude deep emotion. Marriage devoid of passion and emotional desire for one another doesn't fulfill the biblical vision. If we think of love primarily as emotional desire and not as active, committed service, we end up pitting duty and desire against each other in a way that is unrealistic and destructive. Love. Love, then, marital love, must include, and here's your next blank, I believe, must include both a, an abiding, passionate affection and selfless, active service towards your spouse. Abiding, passionate affection along with, my brother said, yes, <laughs> selfless, active service toward your spouse. You say, we used to have this kind of love early in our marriage, but 15 kids later and a few extra pounds, 
Passion fell by the wayside. And now it seems like we're just going through the motions. Going through the motions. You see, stressors are passion stealers. Amen? Now, when I say passion, I'm not just talking about the physical, okay? Although that is certainly part of it. Passion goes far beyond the physical. It's like the, the word, uh, you know, uh, 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 being intimate. Intimacy goes far beyond the physical, right? I like to sum it up this way. When you're passionate about someone, you want to be around them all the time. You miss being with them when they're not around. You, you get butterflies when, just at the thought of seeing them. In other words, you really like them. My wife and I, my wife and I were interviewed by a radio host once, and the host asked the question, uh, I believe it was something like, you know, what's the secret of a happy marriage or something like that, a happy, successful marriage or something along those lines. Our answers, uh, our answers uh, really came down to maybe two things. A, love God more than you love each other. And B, it's not enough to just love your spouse you need to like your spouse. <laughs> and he's like, well, I never thought about it that way. <laughs> really? I mean, I, like, I love my wife deeply. I will die for my wife. And I don't say this just publicly. I say this in private. Sometimes I'm, I'm about to die, you know, because of something I've done. But, but, but no. <laughs> but no, I, <laughs> I would. I would die for her. I would. I, you know, and, and uh, if, if, if uh, you know, you're, 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 the whole point of this is that I want to be around her all the time. I mean, I really, I, I say this with all sincerity. We are actual best friends. We really, really are best friends. You've heard people say that about their spouses. Now, they may not have said it on day one. Sometimes they did marry their best friend. But for me, I had to kind of grow into it, not because she wasn't likable or lovable. I was trying to figure love out. But the more I got to know her, the more I liked her and the more I wanted to be around her. And so here it is 39 years later, man, I just, I love being around. I mean, we do stuff all the time together. And uh, so, but other than Jesus, other than Jesus, she, she is my very best friend. So our deep abiding loveship, listen to this, our deep abiding loveship is balanced by our deep abiding friendship. This balance helps to drive the passion in our marriage. Y'all not going to get this unless you come to the retreat, though, see? <laughs> so... It's, it's like the marriage is a bicycle. Think about it. It's like the marriage is a bicycle, and love and friendship are the training wheels that never come off. You see, marriage has a lifelong learning curve to it. It can never be perfected, but it can always be, what, better. Does it feel like the passion part of your marriage is buried beneath the stress in your life? If this represents your story, hang on, because I'm, a going, I'm about right now. I don't know how much time I got left, but I'm going to show you some truths that, I, that can set your marriage back on course, I pray, if, if you put them into practice. 
But here you go. Count it all joy. So what are marriage vows anyway? Are they not affirmations of a covenant? And what is a covenant? A covenant is a binding, unilateral promise you make to God and to one another. Now, when I'm saying unilateral, just real quick here, what I mean by this is that it's not dependent on the other person reciprocating. That's what that means. I'm, I'm promising to love you even if you don't love me back. That's why people need to be careful when they say those vows because that's what you're doing. It doesn't, it says better or worse. So that means it doesn't matter if you love me, but I'm promising to love you. Retreat. I promise you we're going to deal with that one. So it's not a recounting of things you've already done. It's a declaration that says this is what I'm going to do. We don't have weddings to celebrate how we already feel about each other. That's a given, right? We have weddings to say before God and a host of witnesses that we will be loving, we will be faithful, we will be true till death do us part. Stress, your next blank, will test the promise, but not in a bad way. You might say that stress can be a welcomed friend to your marriage in the sense that it can remind you of the vows you made to each other. If you think about stress that way, all of a sudden it's like, stress me. (laughs) James 1, if you got your Bibles, James 1, chapter uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and that steadfastness have its full, and a full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. My brothers and sisters, trials lead us to being steadfast and faithful. It's right there. Faithful to what? Our promises, our commitments. True love, true love is not fully understood until it is tested. Think about that for a second. I want to close with an analogy. How many of you remember your Greek mythology? Do you remember the, uh, the Odyssey? Anybody have to read that? Did they stop making y'all read that? At a- because you still have to read the Odyssey. Okay. So, so you remember the Odyssey, how Ulysses, or Ulysses, however you pronounce his name, he knew that, if he, that, the, that when he traveled to the island, what? The sirens. He would go temporarily insane and, uh, when he heard the voices of the women of the rocks. So he ordered his men, remember the story? He ordered his men to put what? Wax in his ears and tie him to the mast. You see, he didn't want his temporary circumstances to cause him to make a permanent bad decision. What about you? It's your notes here. Don't let your temporary circumstances, the temporary stresses that are passing away, 
Don't let your temporary circumstances cause you to make a permanent bad decision in your marriage. Trust me, we've seen this too much in our ministry. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. We all are tempted sometimes to make a permanent bad decision, a permanent bad choice because of the temporary stressors in our life. For my single brothers and sisters, I say this. God may be calling you to marriage one day. And when that day comes, I pray you will discover that marriage is not God's highest calling for your life. Marriage is not your highest calling for, uh, God's highest calling for your life. The highest calling for single and married Christians is to what? Glorify God and to honor him above all else. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32, 35, 32 through 35, and I'll read this quickly. I want you to be free from anxieties. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. How the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious and the, and the unmarried and betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraints upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your individual, or your, rather your undivided, to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. First of all, Paul is in no way saying that being single is more virtuous than being married. Neither is he saying that being married is, uh, will prevent people from being devoted to the Lord. He's not saying that. He's simply saying that the highest calling for both married and single people is what? Undying devotion to the Lord. Undying devotion to the Lord means being careful that Christ is preeminent in all things. And if Christ is preeminent in all things, and that is, he is, Colossians 1.16, then he is preeminent over our relationships and over our marriages. To my bro married brothers and sisters, I say this. Remember when you said your wedding vows? What you were saying to God and to everyone present? Basically, you were saying, tie me to the mast. You were. Because one day, and I'm going to ask you all to do this with me, if you're married, and even if you're single, if you want to play along with this. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to ask you to repeat, say the words, tie me to the mast at the end of each statement. You ready? Because one day, I may not feel very loving. Because one day, I may feel like my married, that I'm married to the wrong person. Because one day, our finances could disappear. Because one day, our kids might act like they've lost their minds. <laughs> because one day, I might be tempted to be unfaithful. Because one day my spouse might get Alzheimer's. Because one day, our someday might not feel like our this day. 
timing to the mast. So remember, if you're looking for your marriage in the chaos of life, know this. Your marriage is not lost. It's been hiding under the stress the whole time. Here are some practical ideas, and I won't be able to give you all of them, but just a few things to keep both service and passion strong in your marriage. If you get the whole list, you got to do what? Come to the, to get the whole list. But here's one thing, pray for one another. Pray for and with each other. Make time to be together. If you are too busy, then schedule the time. I mean, heads up, my wife and I have dates. We have regular dates, but dates don't have to happen at night. We have breakfast dates, lunch dates, break dates. It, it helps that we work together, but I mean, I mean it's, you know. <laughs> Disconnect, turn off the TV, turn off all the devices, especially right now. So you don't have undivided attention, see? Look at each other in the eyes when you talk. Oh, boy. I made, I made that rookie error too many times. It took me a long time, especially during the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, that's another thing. Communicate, you know. Uh, you know uh, here's another quick one here. Um, oh, here's one. So my wife has done this, okay? This, this is stuff that she, 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 does, she does all this stuff. I mean, she probably put the list together. But, so. but if you have a spouse who travels, for their job, or they have to do something, have to get away every now and then, or maybe they just get away from you every now and then. <laughs> what you do is you slip a little note in their luggage, a love note. That one works. Put a little love note in there, or if, you know, if they take a lunch, if they take a lunch to work, slip a little love note, some little, you know, keep it clean for the most part, you know. But. <laughs> Send flowers for no reason. I mean, all these kind of things. It's great stuff. And here's one that, that uh, we did try to do this, all right? So the stuff on this list is stuff we've done, all right? I'm not telling you stuff. Uh, but how about a drive? Anybody like drive-in movies, all right? Nobody knows. It. It's like kids like, what's a drive-in? Anyway, <laughs> drive-in movie for them is they, they, they're driving their car and they're watching the movie on the street. That's not what I'm on the device. That's not what I'm talking about. So drive-in movie. You can have a drive-in movie and do it in the garage, okay? But make sure you do it in the wintertime <laughs> so you don't kill each other, you know, with the car running. But, but you know, just, but, but, but have a drive, do a drive-in movie in the car. And then you can pull your device out. That's cool. iPad, you got a movie, you got popcorn, you're right there, drive-in movie. <laughs> Practice Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32, which say, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So as I close, remember, somewhere under all your stress is a marriage. A marriage can grow stronger as you and your spouse grow closer to God in the midst of the trials. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be, known, be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 10, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. You see, stress can literally kill you, can it? But Jesus tells us, we don't have to be afraid of anything that can kill us. He goes on to say, 
Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. And as I sing a song in closing, go ahead and start it. Please be reminded that you are indeed worth more than a sparrow. You have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And that means you have infinite worth. Why should I feel discouraged? And why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven's When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. For his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches me when When songs give way to sigh and hope within me die, I draw close to him from cares he sets me free for his eyes on the sparrow and I know he watches me on the sparrow 
watches over me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm I know he watches over me. I sing because I'm happy. Yes, I sing because. Thank you for blessing us with your presence this morning. Well, I mean...